It's a new take on classic art. The Dover Quartet brings a unique energy to chamber music during the residency at the Beenan School of Music. In this podcast from Northwestern University, the brilliant young musicians explain the unusual rehearsal technique that has resulted in a tone unmatched by any quartet, at least in this century. Of course, we'll be listening to a ton of their music, and we'll also find out how members of the Dover Quartet got their start in music. Plus, they'll tell us about the unexpected teacher who's influenced their sound evolution over the course of their time at Northwestern. By the time we finally felt like we were starting to succeed, we didn't realize how hard it had been. Over the course of their two-year residency at the Beenan School of Music, the Dover Quartet has dazzled concert audiences, selling out halls in major cities all over the world. But they always return home to Northwestern, where they pass on their skills to students who also dream of one day filling concert halls around the country. A lot of credit is due to the students and just their love for what they do and the, and the care, and uh, that just makes it so much more fulfilling, I think. So it's a very rewarding experience. In this podcast, we're talking to two members of the quartet. My name is Joel Link, and I play the violin. My name is Milena Pajaro van de Stadt, and I play viola. Brian Lee on violin and Camden Shaw on cello round out the Dover Quartet. These musicians are young, really young. But already, they are one of the most celebrated quartets in the country. They catapulted to fame after winning the Banff International String Quartet Competition in 2013. And just this year, they were awarded the prestigious Avery Fisher Career Grant, administered by the Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts. You can't stop. You know, you have to keep focusing. And it's a constant search. So just enjoy it as a journey and not think too much about the goal points. Members of the Dover Quartet say they've continued to learn during their residency at Northwestern, but their teacher isn't who you might expect. I've really learned so much from being here, especially because of coaching the students. And would you say the act of teaching has informed your own practice in any way? Does it make you think about things differently? It does, because it makes you have to, sometimes, especially when students are asking questions, like, how do I fix this problem, or what would you do in this situation? Milana says having to verbalize techniques for her students helps her solidify them in her own practice as well. Adding another layer to what your instincts are, being able to explain them. And I start explaining it, and then I realize, you know what, I could actually use this method myself (laughs) more often. The members of the Dover Quartet teach Northwestern students more than just the technical skills necessary for a career in music. They serve as mentors, helping guide the students' choices in college and beyond. What would be your advice to young musicians who are interested in a professional career? There could be so many things to say. I I feel like most of the things I would think of would be on the more cliche side, but... um, That's just who you are. Yeah, I'm just a big cliche. I think being realistic about what you can accomplish day by day is really, really important. Set small goals on the path toward accomplishing a bigger task. It makes me think of that like it's it's a five-minute problem or a two-month problem kind of thing. So being able to recognize what types of issues you're dealing with and not get demoralized by trying to set impossible goals, Joel is saying. But my advice would also be, it's kind of on the same, uh, along the same lines that... that That being a musician or, you know, an artist of any kind is you're constantly, you're always a student no matter what. Like even if you're 
like in our position you know we're always learning we're always trying to get better it never ends it's like that the hilarious story that joel has of a friend of his asking him if he was finished learning the violin yet because he thought that or his teacher said he'd be finished learning piano in about a year or so <laughs> it, it never that's ends great. and that's that's something that you can take in a frustrating way but it's it's much more exciting to just think of it as a positive thing that you can only continue to get better. The Dover Quartet proves that music is an evolving art form. These four musicians have a shockingly large repertoire of music, and part of that comes from the way they practice, a trick they turn to when music starts to feel like a job instead of a passion. Let's say we've been playing the same program over and over, like 50 times, or um, we've been rehearsing a lot and everyone's tired traveling a lot. Finally, it's time to rehearse. Nobody wants to rehearse. At this moment, in order to keep the passion alive, we'll sit down and read pieces that we've never played before. No one feels like they have to be prepared with their part, um, so no one's judging anybody. Ideally, no one ever is, but, you know, it's a quartet, so... Ideally. We, we, um, but that's that's been really great, is when we just... Yeah. No pressure, no anything, just read a piece for fun and just for the pure enjoyment of playing music. Another Dover practice technique could be the source of their unique sound, a sound that has been compared to musicians of old who played their music on strings made from animal intestines. Your guys' tone is really distinctive from many of the other string quartets today. I think it was the Wall Street Journal wrote that it sounds like you guys are playing gut strings. I wonder what makes you want to bring back that style. It's interesting. I, yeah, I remember that they, they said that. And after that article came out, a lot of people asked us if we did mm-hmm. use gut strings, which we don't. Milana says they're not trying to emulate the sound of gut strings exactly, but she says they are drawn to that sound quality. That was so, so vocal and almost more vocal than instrumental in a way. They've adopted an unusual technique in practice in order to draw that rich vocal technique from their instruments. Singing. One of our favorite rehearsal techniques, and that saves a lot of time of talking and arguing about the way that you're wording something that you want to, some point you want to get across, is that we we sing to one another in rehearsal all the time. And that's what we're trying to get to come out of our instruments. And I just wonder if that's maybe part of what gives it that different sound quality that people are responding to. Members of the Dover Quartet also draw inspiration for their sound from other contemporary quartets. And who have been your biggest musical influences? Oh man, so many. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot. I was before we were in school that we were listening to recordings mm-hmm. of Guarneri, Cleveland, Vermeer, you know, all these fantastic groups with that, I think, also a similar aesthetic sound aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And if you're wondering about their influences outside the world of classical and chamber music. Do you mean like pop music? Yeah, more mainstream. (laughs) (laughs) I'm notorious. Uh, They'll put anything on in the car and they'll be like, come on, do you know who this is? And it'll be like someone famous. It'll be Bohemian Rhapsody. Or it'll be like the Beatles and I'll be like, "Uh, I don't know. So I I, I don't know anything. Uh, I don't listen to Uh, a lot. I really like to listen to jazz Mm -hmm. a lot. And... um, the Beatles and mm-hmm. Simon and Garfunkel. I do too, and, and I know who they are. They're great. <laughs> he knows who they are now. <laughs> <laughs> they might not listen to the kind of music that gets people dancing in the bars, but the Dover Quartet has their own way of reaching out to that very same audience. Yeah, there's so many things going on in classical music right now, and I think the whole idea of 
how concerts are presented and the kinds of venues in which they happen, that's starting to change. How uh, so? We're looking at a lot more places where it's not that uh, the music is secondary, but there are other things going on. Like, For instance, at a bar, at a bar people are having drinks, they feel more relaxed. If they're really into the music, you can feel it instantly. Joel and Milana say playing in settings like this helps to draw in a younger crowd and bridge the gap between young audiences and the typical chamber music crowd. With classical music, it's like, oh, the people show up in tuxedos and tails and all this stuff, and it feels like it's not for everyone. And I think the sense is to show people that what we do is it speaks to everyone. So I think that's amazing. Let's step back now to when Joel and Milana were just kids experiencing music for the very first time. I'm the youngest of three, so my brother and sister had already started before me, and apparently when I was very young, I stood up at the end of one of their like twinkle recitals and started yelling about how it was my turn to play, even though I did not play. At that point, he picked up the violin, and a few years down the road... When I was 12 or 13, I was really into playing soccer and, and uh, playing music, and I remember there was a car trip, and my mom was like, well, what do you want to do Like with your life? What do you want to focus on? And my parents were like, you should think about either one, but you should really do music. <laughs> so uh, I, I listen and obey. So no, I, I, I've always really loved music and uh, it's always been such a big part of who I am. So I decided to pursue that more seriously. For Milana, playing the viola was a small, <laughs> very small act of rebellion. When I was very little, three or four years old, my dad, who's a heart surgeon, he's not a professional musician, but he's a great pianist, um, taught me piano lessons. But Milana didn't really want to play piano. I apparently told him that I wanted to play something he couldn't teach me. They said, okay, fine, you choose your instrument. So I chose violin. Almost a little bit random because I was walking down the street with my mom and saw somebody playing the violin in the park with their case open. Milana started taking lessons from a teacher who wasn't her dad and eventually made the shift to viola. And then... When I found out that being in a string quartet was an actual job possibility for some people, that people did that as a career, uh, it seemed too good to be true, and then it was my dream to be in a quartet. She so. really started to pursue that dream when she met the other members of the quartet during their days as students at the Curtis School of Music in Philadelphia. We became blinded by our love for chamber music and didn't think about how hard it would be to make a career in music and just followed our passion. Things didn't always come easily. And it did feel a lot like being your head against the wall. It feels like it took four years, four or five years of, of constant, seemingly failures. You know, not getting auditions, not making it into competitions, being waitlisted for programs. And it took years of that before we felt like things were starting to stick and we were being noticed and we were getting concerts, we got our management. What was it like the first time you saw your album your physical cd is produced oh that was a that was very bizarre <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> it wow cool. i can hold something that i can you know give to people or do something with it yeah it was it was kind of amazing uh, you well it's so. weird because that cd maybe it's because we're on it and like i'm on this cd that i can hold in my hand it seems not I, legit it doesn't seem right? as, yeah. like it seems like oh that's just my cd <laughs> it's not like a real cd yeah but it, it feels is, very weird yeah. <laughs> well it's not just cds the Dover Quartet sells out concerts all over the world. New York, Philly, Chicago, Berlin, Norway, Israel, Prague, and Evanston. As part of their residency, the Dover Quartet plays multiple concerts each year on Northwestern's campus. They say there's something special about that experience, that the concert halls at Northwestern feel intimate in a way they can't replicate on the road. It's like playing for family. 
almost like a hometown audience where you you keep coming back to the same majority group of people who are out there and it feels it feels more like a familial experience than you know going to a concert in a country we've never been to and playing for a giant audience of strangers which is a very different experience when they play at northwestern they have a personal connection with the audience partly because they know their students are there to listen we know that they're listening with discerning ears you can feel their investment in the performance it always adds a little extra energy to know they're a multitude of discerning ears in the audience. <laughs> and we better, you know, play well. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to be a part of that hometown audience, check out the concerts at Beanin website or the Northwestern Arts Circle website. And if you like this podcast, subscribe to Northwestern U on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can find all kinds of stories about the arts at Northwestern, as well as research and campus events. You can also find all of our stories on our website, news.northwestern.edu. Reporting from Northwestern University, this has been Kayla Stoner. Thanks for listening.